You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. The Rock Bell Show, the voice of the marijuana nation. Now, here's your host, Radical Ross Bellville. Good day, tokers and toquettes and non-toking lovers of liberty. It is Monday, November 9th, 2015, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. And yes, believe it or not, we are back. We are live. I I am at Rolla J Studios in beautiful Legal Potland, Oregon. It's great to be back home. We tried to do this uh, just the... uh, the other day when I got back home, but uh, we're integrating a lot of new things here. Uh, Prime among them is streaming live to CannabisRadio.com via Spreaker. And uh, we had some difficulties with that on Friday where everybody could hear the music, but they couldn't hear my voice. So I had to just bag it. And over the weekend, took down the entire studio, rewired everything, reprogrammed everything, rebooted everything, updated everything. And what do you know? I think it's working even without any echoes or anything. So cross your fingers, folks. I think we got it figured out. But we are streaming live on CannabisRadio.com and 420Radio.org. And we're doing this for the rest of 2015 so that everyone can make the transition with me to CannabisRadio.com. So if you're listening to this on the podcast, you also need to update your podcast links to the ones that will be provided by CannabisRadio.com. We're getting those all instituted on iTunes and Stitcher and all the other outlets. And as soon as I know what they are, I'll get those posted for you and you can make the transition as well. Those of you watching on Ustream, you're not watching. You're just seeing a blank screen. You're getting audio only. I didn't get everything solved. There's still a camera issue because you know how video is. It's always a problem. But we'll get that camera issue fixed so that you Ustream and YouTube people can also make the switch over to CannabisRadio.com because that's the only place we will be in 2016. We'll be exclusive at CannabisRadio.com. Now, I'm really excited because I'm two days away from getting on a plane for my first international flight. I am headed to Jamaica, man. That's right. We're headed to the High Times Cannabis Cup in Negril, Jamaica. And I take off Friday morning at like five in the morning, like really, really early. Uh, so we will uh, keep you updated. But on Wednesday, there'll be no live show because I will be in airplanes going across the continent once again. So uh, be ready for that. But uh, Thursday, we should be coming to you live from Jamaica, Thursday, Friday, uh, and Monday. Plus, I'll be doing some ad hoc broadcasting uh, when it is appropriate from uh, the venues there on Saturday and Sunday. One of the things we'll be covering, I'm really excited about this, Kyle Cushman is getting married at the Cannabis Cup in Jamaica. So we'll be there to cover that, and you'll want to uh, stick around and uh, make sure you're following me at Radical Russ so that you can uh, you can get in on that when I'm ready to broadcast it. I don't know exactly when or where it's going to be, uh, but if you'll follow me on Twitter, I'll definitely keep you updated. Also have the Radical Russ Instagram account, too, so uh, subscribe to that if you're on Instagram, as well as Periscope. But uh, I don't know if we'll do a lot of Periscoping. Data rates from Jamaica are pretty expensive. 
Coming up on the show today, we got Dr. Mitch Earlywine joining us at half past for our cannabis Q&A. He's the host of Burning Issues on CannabisRadio.com, and he gives us the rundown of the top five or six marijuana research stories in the news. So we'll get to that at half past. We'll have time for a radical rant. I'm wondering uh, which sort of legalization will be acceptable now that we've decided that capitalism matters. Also, we've got data from Washington State Traffic Safety on THC and driving. i got to debunk some of the figures. Plus, poll data from Canada, a surprising result on what kind of marijuana legalization they'd like in the Great White North. But it all starts off with the Cannabis Radio News. That's coming up next, the headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation. The son of a Polish immigrant who grew up in a Brooklyn tenement. He went to public schools, then college, where the work of his life began, fighting injustice and inequality, speaking truth to power. He moved to Vermont, won election and praise as one of America's best mayors. In Congress, he stood up for working families and for principle, opposing the Iraq war, supporting veterans. Now he's taking on Wall Street and a corrupt political system, funded by over a million contributions, tackling climate change to create clean energy jobs, fighting for living wages, equal pay, and tuition-free public colleges. People are sick and tired of establishment politics, and they want real change. Bernie Sanders, husband, father, grandfather, an honest leader, building a movement with you to give us a future to believe in. I'm Bernie Sanders, and I approve this message. Dr. Dabber, hurry! Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up! I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct! Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber, doctor's orders. Less heat, (laughs) more flavor. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News, covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is available exclusively through CannabisRadio.com in partnership with the Associated Press. Now, your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds in the Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Monday, November 9th, 2015. During a town hall in South Carolina, Democratic presidential hopeful Hillary Clinton said that she's in favor of rescheduling marijuana in order to allow researchers to explore the benefits of medical usage. Marijuana is currently classified as a Schedule I drug alongside substances like heroin and LSD, which means the government sees no legitimate medical uses for it. Clinton said that as president, she'd reclassify marijuana to Schedule II, the category for drugs like cocaine, methamphetamine, and prescription painkillers. It would remain an illegal drug for everyday consumption, but would be eligible for possible medical uses. Clinton stopped short of the provision taken by her leading Democratic opponent, Bernie Sanders, who introduced a bill in the Senate that would end the federal ban on marijuana. States could still ban recreational use under Sanders' proposal, but states that legalize marijuana would no longer have to fear federal intervention. 
A Native American tribe that planned to open the first marijuana resort in the U.S. announced over the weekend that it was burning its crop and temporarily suspending the plans in South Dakota while leaders sought legal guidance from the federal government. The Flandreau-Santee Sioux tribe, which planned to open a marijuana lounge on New Year's Eve, was the first tribe in South Dakota to legalize cannabis after U.S. officials suggested in a memo released last year that they were permitted to. In South Dakota, some state officials had questioned the Flandreau-Santee Sioux marijuana project, including Attorney General Marty Jackley, who said changes to tribal laws regarding pot would not protect adults who aren't tribal members. Seth Pierman, the Flandreau-Santee Sioux tribe's lawyer, said leaders were confident that the venture would succeed after it got further clarification from the U.S. Department of Justice. The campaign to regulate marijuana like alcohol in Massachusetts, one of two groups attempting to place an initiative legalizing marijuana on the 2016 ballot, said Monday it's gathered more than 100,000 signatures in support. Groups seeking to place an initiative on the statewide ballot must gather at least 64,750 signatures from registered voters in Massachusetts. Campaigns often gather more signatures than necessary, anticipating that some may be deemed invalid. If they gather enough valid signatures, the initiative is then sent to the legislature, and if the legislature doesn't act to approve the measure, activists can go out and gather an additional 10,800 signatures in order to get on the ballot. A competing marijuana legalization group, Bay State Repeal, has also been gathering signatures. Bay State Repeal has argued their proposal has fewer regulatory restrictions. Massachusetts voters chose to decriminalize small amounts of marijuana in 2008 and legalized medical marijuana in 2012. The Washington State Liquor and Cannabis Board is accepting a second wave of applications for new marijuana retail licenses. Gone are the quotas and lotteries used in the first round of licensing. Now there are no limits on the number of licenses that may be granted, a change that took some cities by surprise. When Initiative 502, the measure to legalize pot, was implemented, state regulators set limits on how many pot stores a city or county could have. Seattle, for example, received 21 of these so-called golden tickets. But when state legislators opened the licensing process to medical marijuana businesses last spring, they eliminated quotas. Instead, they want to bring gray market medical marijuana into the state-regulated system. The Liquor and Cannabis Board has issued 212 retail licenses so far, but regulators estimate that this new round could more than double the number of licensed stores. Despite New Jersey Governor Chris Christie's vow to veto any attempt to legalize marijuana, a fact-finding hearing on the issue will be held next week to build support in the legislature, according to the bill's sponsor. Senator Nicholas Scutari, a Democrat of Union, who introduced the bill 18 months ago, said the Senate Judiciary Committee he chairs will hold a meeting next Monday, calling it a, quote, first step in the process of finally reversing our punitive marijuana laws that have caused harm to our residents and our communities, end quote. Scutari said the drug war was, as far as marijuana is concerned, has been a costly failure. He cited a report by the American Civil Liberties Union that found New Jersey spent $127.3 million on enforcement. The report also found African Americans are nearly three times more likely in New Jersey to be arrested for marijuana possession than whites, even though the rate of marijuana use is similar. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Monday, November 9th, 2015. I'm Russ Belville. Warning. Hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. Or at least they pay me to say that. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. 
Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. Imagine life without taxes. Let New Era Certified Public Accountants, NewEraCPAs.com, handle your cannabis 280E and tax strategy. Get your business prepared with New Era CPA's Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. NewEraCPAs.com, with years of experience in the industry, we are one of the nation's leading accounting firms for growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies from Washington to California. NewEraCPAs.com. Welcome back, everybody. As we go behind the headlines today, we're taking a look at a new forum poll that's been taken on legalization in Canada that found that 59% support the new liberal government stance on legalizing, taxing, and regulating cannabis for adult use. Very closely mirroring the recent Gallup poll that showed 58% support for legalization in the United States. But once you look behind the headlines, you find something interesting Canada wants a more liberal marijuana legalization than the U.S., but they want it controlled in the same way that Ohio just rejected. First of all, a key difference is that in the U.S. polls that got 58% support, the question being asked is whether or not marijuana should be legal for people 21 and older. The Canadian poll, the forum poll with 59% support, is for adults 18 and older. Very interesting there, getting a much, uh, well, not a much higher, but about the same rate as uh, the, the U.S. poll, but for even younger people. I don't think you'd get that rate with 18 and older in America. Now, in the United States, people over the age of 65, our senior citizens, still oppose legalization. You only get 35% support among people 65 and older. But in the Canadian poll, seniors age 65 and older approve of marijuana legalization. Now, just just barely, it's at 50%, but it's only 40% opposed. So the plurality supports it. In fact, there's no age demographic in Canada that still approves of prohibition. And Canadian citizens in all the provincial regions of the country support legalization at about the same rates. And as do citizens belonging to every political party in Canada, except the conservative party that was just swept out of leadership uh, as uh, uh, Justin Trudeau and the Liberal Party took over the majority control uh, in Parliament. But to me, the most interesting data from the poll is the question that asked Canadians how they would like to see marijuana taxed and regulated. The majority, 57%, preferred a system where the Canadian government only licenses large corporate growers compared to 33% who preferred some other kind of system. And, and, and that kind of system was proposed just last week to voters in the U.S. state of Ohio. In, in Ohio's Issue 3, which was defeated with just 36% support, in Ohio's Issue 3, the state constitution would have designated 10 pre-owned plots of land for commercial growing, and there'd just be a handful of basically large corporations that would supply marijuana to over a 1,000 
independent retail marijuana outlets. But the Canadians who supported the large corporate grows are dominated by those who'd prefer an even tighter system than what Ohio proposed. 12% of all the Canadian respondents supported the question, quote, or, or, or the, the, the uh, scenario, quote, licensing corporate growers only, then selling it and taxing it through retail outlets. And that was kind of similar to Ohio's plan, right? You'd have just a few big corporate growers and then over a thousand independent retail outlets. But 45% supported, quote, licensing corporate growers only, then selling and, and taxing it through government agencies, end quote. You know, like um, like a, a state-run liquor store model, right? You'd have to go to the pot store. There wouldn't be independent pot shops. They'd all be run by the government or, or some authority, public authority, basically, government agencies. In that poll, only 16% of Canadians, one out of six, supported, quote, allowing private citizens to grow and sell their own product and self-report their taxes, end quote. And another 17% chose something else or none of these three options. Then as far as the demographics go of pot smokers in, in Canada, almost one in five Canadians or is 18% actually, admitted to using cannabis in the past year, including over a third of those aged 18 to 34. It was 34%. A quarter of adults in the Atlantic provinces and British Columbia, so the coast, just like America, right, admit to annual consumption, the greatest amount regionally, as do politically over a fifth of liberals, 22%, and over a third of greens, 35%. Makes sense, right? And another 11% of Canadians who do not use cannabis say they are very likely or somewhat likely to try it once it's legal, meaning 3 out of 10 Canadian adults would be likely cannabis consumers. Rabadabagoo! 3 out of 10 Canadian adults would be likely cannabis consumers if prohibition were ended. 30%. Amazing. Hey, folks, that uh, that whistle means it's 20 after 420 in the mountain time zone. So our friends in Denver, Colorado are getting it on as well as people all throughout the mountain time zone, all the way up into Canada who don't care if it's legal or not. Be right back with Drug War Data Mine after this. The Russ Belleville Show, where the truth about marijuana gets more than a minute to speak. The Russ Belleville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. Your connection to quality cannabis insurance services is spelled K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R. That's Karcher Insurance. We have worked with ventures like cannabis for over 60 years. We're proud to represent over 50 companies with tailor-made cannabis plans for owners just like you to insure your product, your plants, and your pursuits. K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R spells out their full-service insurance services ranging from commercial 
commercial to bonds to personal from life to health and more. Contact the team at CarterInsurance.com and let our experience work for you. That's K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R Insurance.com. Contact Karen and the team at Carter Insurance at 1-844-421-3560. That's 844-421-3560. Arguing for the end of adult marijuana prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It is even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more in this edition of Drug War Data Mining. There's a new report out from the Washington State Traffic Safety Commission. It's called... Driver Toxicology Testing and the Involvement of Marijuana in Fatal Crashes, 2010 to 2014. And as usual, it's generated some frightening headlines in the mainstream media. King 5 News in Seattle says, More Washington drivers test positive for THC in deadly crashes since 2010. Breitbart News says, Washington marijuana-related traffic fatalities double after pot legalized. And my hometown paper, The Oregonian, says, Fatal crashes involving marijuana doubled in Washington after legalization. Oh no! Legalization has led to stoned mayhem on the freeways! At least if you trust the news media's reporting, which ignores one very salient point. There was not much difference in the total number of traffic fatalities from 2010 to 2014. In 2010, there were 460 drivers who died on Washington roads. In 2014, there were 462 drivers who died on Washington roads. The average of the three years before legalization, 2010, 2011, 2012, comes up to just a shade over 450. The average of the two years since, 2013 and 2014, comes up to 449. So, if no more people are dying on the freeways than before legalization, what is the problem? Well, well, according to the media, it's that more stone drivers are dying and fewer drunk drivers are dying. While traffic fatalities over the alcohol limit, the uh, .08 BAC, have dropped almost a quarter since 2010, fatalities involving THC alone or with alcohol and or drugs have doubled or tripled. But digging deeper into those numbers reveals the statistical sleight of hand. Indeed, alcohol only, greater than 0.08, those fatalities dropped from 67 in 2010 to 51 in 2014. But why should the fatality deaths involving THC plus alcohol or THC plus alcohol plus drugs get blamed on the THC? Studies show that alcohol is a far more impairing substance than marijuana or drugs, and that marijuana and drugs found in one system aren't as indicative of impairment like a .08 for alcohol is. So, when the THC plus alcohol jumps from 16 to 23, from 2010 to 2014, that just shows us an increase in drunk driving deaths among people who also happen to smoke pot. The THC plus drugs plus alcohol increase from 2 to 6 shows us the same thing. We can't know whether the THC or drugs were affecting the driver 
But the .08 BAC does tell us alcohol was affecting the driver. So, if you add in all the alcohol-related deaths at or above .08 BAC, drugs, marijuana, or not, it went from 85 in 2010 to 80 in 2014. Not much difference. Now, understand that when we're talking about the THC-related fatalities here, we're not talking about inactive carboxy-THC metabolites that you find on a urine screen. All of the carboxy-THC statistics declined, including carboxy-THC only is down 45%, carboxy-THC plus alcohol is down 75%, carboxy-THC plus drugs is down 50%, and carboxy-THC plus drugs plus alcohol is down 100%. So this isn't metabolites we're talking about. We're talking about active THC, and that's where the scare data about the fatalities is being found. In 2010, there were 81 fatalities that had tested positive for cannabinoids, but only 36 of those were for active THC. And only one-third of those, 12 of them, were over the 5 nanogram per se DYD limit in Washington. In 2014, there were 89 fatalities with cannabinoids, but a whopping 75 of them were active THC, and almost half of them were over the 5 nanogram limit. So, in other words, active THC-involved fatalities more than doubled since 2010, and those over 5 nanograms more than tripled. So, should we be terrified now? Not really. First, even though active THC is a better measure than inactive metabolites, it is still not indicative of impairment. A 2015 study in the Journal of Analytical Toxicology tested 11 frequent cannabis consumers and found that most of them had detectable THC above 5 nanograms even 8 to 14 hours after their last smoking. So when we test a driver following a fatality crash, we're more likely to find that they are a frequent marijuana consumer, but that doesn't tell us that frequent marijuana consumers are more likely to be in fatality crashes. We're, we're probably more likely to find married gay drivers in fatality crashes these days, too, now that there is access to marriage for gay people, just as we're more likely to be finding marijuana in the system of the fatality-involved driver now that there's better access to marijuana for tokers. But that's not the only confounding part about this report. The other problem is that when you come back from the river with twice as many fish, it doesn't necessarily mean there are twice as many fish in the river. It could mean you switch from using a fishing pole to a fishing net. That's what Washington State has done with respect to detecting THC in its fatality crashes. This is from the report. On January 1, 2013, the Washington State Patrol Toxicology Lab reset the THC reporting threshold to 1 nanogram per milliliter and began conducting full-panel alcohol and drug tests on all traffic crash blood sample submissions. Prior to this date, the lab tested blood for the presence of alcohol first. Only if blood alcohol concentrations were under 0.10, the lab then conducted drug testing. In addition, full-panel alcohol and drug testing was only performed when a driver was involved in vehicular homicide and assault or underwent a drug recognition expert examination. Huh. So, in other words, prior to 2013, before legalization took effect, a drunk driver who was over 0.10 wouldn't be drug tested at all. 
versus now when any driver can be drug tested. Prior to legalization, only drivers charged with vehicular homicide were tested versus now when any driver can be tested. Prior to legalization, only drivers suspected of impaired driving by a drug recognition expert were drug tested versus now when Washington state has more drug recognition experts. And prior to legalization, anybody under two nanograms of THC wasn't counted versus now when one nanogram is the threshold. So what a surprise then that before legalization, when the state was using a fishing pole for drug testing, there were lower numbers of marijuana-related fatalities than after legalization when the state was using a fishing net. The most important part of this data is this. Since marijuana has been legally for sale in Washington State, traffic fatality rates have not budged. Even the state itself tells us, quote, The information in this report cannot be used to determine if marijuana is or is not causing fatal crashes, end quote, no matter what the mainstream media might be telling you. We got more cannabis science coming up next. Dr. Mitch is on the air with us live right after this break. You're listening to The Russ Belville Show on CannabisRadio.com. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation. Get the latest updates on the Russ Belleville Show by following Radical Russ on Twitter and liking the Russ Belleville Show on Facebook. Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. MJWellness.com, the largest medical marijuana community in the world. Connect with thousands of patients, doctors, industry leaders, and businesses through shared personal experiences along our worldwide network. Discover new therapies and benefits with content tailored to you. Come grow your network on MJWellness.com. You're not alone. Your wellness matters. Learn, live, and thrive. Check out mjwellness.com today. It's time for the Russ Belleville Show's Cannabis Q&A with Dr. Mitch Earlywine. Dr. Earlywine is a professor of psychology at the State University of New York at Albany and a leading author and researcher on cannabinoids and health who pins the Ask Dr. Mitch column for High Times Magazine. Get your questions ready in our live chat or call in to 971-533-7111 now. Welcome back, everybody. Time for our Cannabis Q&A with the host of Burning Issues on CannabisRadio.com. It's Dr. Mitch Earlywine. How you doing, Dr. Mitch? So glad to hear your voice and be back on your show, man. Oh, it's great. I've been traveling a whole bunch. By the end of this year, I'll have 45,000 air miles. 
Holy cow. <laughs> I know. I should get a frequent flyer, but since I'm taking a, a different airline every time, they never build up enough miles on any one of them. So <laughs> I got to find a way around that. Anyway, folks, uh, reminder, our phone lines are open at 971-533-7111. If you'd like to uh, get your question into our chat room for Dr. Mitch Earlywine. And until then, we will uh, get Dr. Mitch's reaction to some of the stories that are in the uh, cannabis research and uh, and uh, study news that are out there. And uh, the first one, uh, Dr. Mitch, which uh, which one did you want to tackle here first? Let's see. We've got the. Uh, oh, how about this? Uh, the uh, Chuck Rosenberg, head of the DEA, says that medical marijuana is a joke. And I think the only joke I found in there was him talking about smoking leaf. Uh, what's your reaction to uh, Chuck Rosenberg? I was completely flabbergasted. The Journal of the American Medical Association literally three weeks before this had just said medical marijuana. It's for real and had a whole issue basically <laughs> devoted to it. And then the head of the DEA can't read JAMA. I mean, it was just completely embarrassing. I was stunned. You know, we uh, we had thought once we had gotten rid of Michelle Lenhart that this sort of nonsense would uh, maybe abate a little bit, but it seems like they're in full reefer madness mode still. Uh, why? I mean, it, they're so much, uh, they're so far behind in the polls, like 90% of the people now support medical marijuana. We're getting to the point where half the states are going to have it. Uh, what's, what's their intransigence? There's only 10 states that don't recognize some form. I mean, even down to the CBD oil. So, so what's going on with the DEA? Are, what, what are they smoking and how do I get some? <laughs> I feel like Chuck really isn't on top of this literature and I understand being DEA, that job has to suck, man. But he's got a whole lot on his plate. But he could certainly have one of his assistants just pick up that last issue of the Journal of American Medical Association and write him a little blurb. It it just it's it's kind of embarrassing. Mm, what a shame. Well, we'll still have to fight uh, more to get uh, marijuana's medical usage recognized. And the good news in that respect come from the two leaders in the Democratic Party that are fighting for the 2016 nomination to one degree or the other. Uh, Senator Sanders has proposed a bill to completely de-schedule cannabis, you know, treat it like alcohol or tobacco. And uh, Hillary Clinton has taken a more measured approach by uh, proposing reclassification of marijuana down to Schedule 2. Uh, which proposal would you favor and what would you tell the other candidate as to why they need to switch their position? Well, I'm sure all our listeners will be stunned to learn that I want to declassify, not reclassify. And I'm afraid Hillary Clinton's proposal is just not going to make much change for the good. I really would have a hard time getting any research done with a Schedule II drug. We'd still end up with ridiculous arrests. It's just not going to get to where we need to go with a plant with a 5,000-year safety history. And I had read uh, Normal's deputy director, Paul Armentano, had uh, written, uh, maybe it was in a Facebook post, uh, about how there are special regulations, even among the Schedule 1 drugs, cannabis has its own little regulations to it. So even if you moved it to Schedule 2, it wouldn't change those regulations. Is that is that accurate? Sad but true. And, and Russ, the irony is you'd still have to go to the federal source for the plant so literally you know you could have an open dispensary right next door but if you had uh, national institute of health research money you couldn't use that cannabis you'd have to go get the 
the ditch weed from Mississippi. Hmm. Now, what a shame. But uh, as far as I'm aware, uh, Senator Sanders endorsing complete descheduling is uh, the uh, most progressive position on marijuana reform any two-party candidate has ever taken. I just like that guy more and more every day. I don't know what to say. <laughs> well, well, you know, you're up there uh, in uh, upstate New York. He's from uh, New Hampshire or in Vermont, that area. So maybe there's something in the water up there. I can only hope. <laughs> well, speaking of New York, there's a story coming off of Medscape here. Now, New York, by all accounts, has one of the most dysfunctional medical marijuana programs out there. Non-plant, non-smokable medical marijuana. If I'm not mistaken, there's a, just five uh, producers or something, some low number like that. But the latest story talks about how doctors in New York are going to have to complete a four-hour course in order to be able to recommend cannabis. Now, I got to thinking maybe this is a good thing since so few doctors actually ever hear of the endocannabinoid system. But what's your take on this being in upstate New York yourself? I mean, you know, I'm always delighted to to make sure folks get as much education as possible. The sad thing is it's 250 bucks. Oh, <laughs> it's not going to be particularly accessible. Every physician has to have a certain number of continuing ed credits every year. So I think, it, you know, it's going to be great to have the hours. But I just feel like it's stacking the deck against the kind of encouragement we need for physicians to become regular prescribers and to really, you know, end the agony associated with all these illnesses. I'm still lamenting the fact that New York has really only approved uh, a small subset of the potential disorders, and some of them just uh, are, you know, markedly less sensible. The fact that we have Huntington's disease, which is relatively rare and doesn't have the overwhelming support that something as simple as insomnia might have, hmm. kind of breaks my heart. Yeah, and that's part of that that medicine of last resort thinking. You know, if you if you're if you're dead and dying, well, okay, we can overlook you being a pothead, I suppose. So. Ah, that's the kind of framing we're attacking here on uh, Cannabis Radio. And uh, check out CannabisRadio.com for Dr. Mitch's show, Burning Issues. You can get a podcast every week with a lot more in-depth discussion of some of these topics. Now, uh, another topic in here that, oh my goodness, this one, <laughs> this one rings true to me, Dr. Mitch. It says the presence of THC metabolites in hair is not necessarily indicative of marijuana ingestion. Did a whole bunch of people trying to get a job just get a new excuse, Dr. Mitch? I, I got to admit, but I think they deserve the excuse. <laughs> so, so, I mean, it's, it's a, not, you know, the hugest sample or anything like that. Nature Scientific Reports is sort of a way to get ideas out fast and furiously. But they're basically showing that there are a lot of different ways you could end up with THC metabolites in your hair. And they certainly aren't all because you necessarily ingested it. And definitely don't mean that you ingested it recently. Wow. And uh, there's been other problems with hair testing. I've I've uh, read reports on it being uh, racially biased against people with thick, coarse hair, Mediterranean or African-American style hair. So that's always been a problem. And then, you know, a guy like me with a uh, shaved head for the most part, uh, having to get armpit or chest hair for a job uh, just just beyond the pale. And I'm I'm glad to hear about this study. 
I just always would much rather see a work sample than a hair sample. There we go. A resume. How about that? Uh, all right. Let's take a look at some of the medical uh, aspects here that are coming out. I want to remind folks uh, that our phone line is open. If you want to call in, it's 971-533-7111. Or we're watching on both the Cannabis Radio and 420 Radio chat lines. If you've got a question uh, out there, we'll be glad to ask it of Dr. Mitch. But if you're shy and you want to keep it private, you can always send an email to 420research at gmail.com. That's 420research at gmail.com. Now, uh, in the uh, medical marijuana news, very interesting study uh, claims that marijuana can treat ADHD, adult, and I don't remember what it stands for. <laughs> Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. There we go. It's funny because my student, Mallory Laughlin, had published a paper on this just based on some self-reports uh, from some of the listeners here and some of the folks on the normal listserv. And it's very strain-dependent and very symptom-dependent. So I don't think this is going to be replacing all the other treatments, but it's sure nice to be able to add this. And, you know, it's a relatively small sample, but what a surprise as soon as they all had the chance to switch to cannabis, the vast majority of them wanted to. And I, I think the key to understand is that, uh, ironically, these are hyperactive people, but a stimulant actually helps them calm down. So the Ritalins and the amphetamine-type uh, treatments basically give the brain enough arousal so you don't have to run around fast trying to seek more. Mm. And I feel like the more uh, stimulating strains, the, the stereotypical sativas, are the ones that are going to be beneficial. And I think early trials could be confusing if we don't pay particular attention to the strain. Yeah, I was just, you know, you, as you said that, I was thinking, yeah, all these studies that we've got, and we look them up on PubMed, and, and they're all talking about smoking a 5% THC joint, but that's the that's the Mississippi ditchweed, isn't it? Sad but true. If it's an administration done here in the U.S., that's what it is. Oh, my goodness. All right. And uh, one more great story here, and quite ironic considering that, Organ transplant lists and those hospitals will often kick you off the list if you test positive for cannabis. But this report out of the UK says, could cannabis help transplant patients by delaying the rejection of organs and slowing your immune system's attack against the, uh, the foreign organ? Uh, what do we know about this? So this is actually pretty wild, and I was afraid this was going to turn on us, and people were going to say, oh, THC is going to hurt your immune system. It's not an immune suppressant so much as an immune system regulator. And here's an opportunity to essentially delay the rejection of incompatible organs uh, in a way that's really helpful. And nobody ever really talks about it, but the meds you end up taking in order to get a transplant are super nauseating. So I do feel like the other uh, potential is that this could make folks be more likely to stick on the regimen that would be required in order to make sure that they can essentially get an organ transplant. Yeah, and uh, you know I went through that uh, transplant situation with my friend Ganja John getting his kidney transplant, and uh, the THC well it seemed to ease his pain, and and it didn't seem to hurt the transplant any so uh we're happy that everything turned out well for him uh before we go dr mitch Earlywine is the host of burning issues on cannabisradio.com any preview of uh, upcoming episodes you'd like to give oh so i i had a splendid recording with uh, normal founder keith strupp that should be up soon and i've got uh you know some wonderful stories to tell 
your your neighbor there, Madeline Martinez, and I should be getting a, a show up relatively soon as well. I think listeners would get a big kick out of it. And then the last six minutes are always uh, not necessarily cannabis-related, but more just self-care and mental health and uh, having a good day. So people might want to tune into that, and it's a good way to sneak you know, your non-user friends into the podcast and get them to eventually hear the good word. That's right. Burning Issues with Dr. Mitch Earlywine on CannabisRadio.com. And Dr. Mitch, I'll see you in D.C. in a couple weeks for the DPA conference. Uh, alas, uh, the, the parenting conflicts interfered. We'll have to wait till May and go down there for the, the legislative line. All right. We'll see you then. Thanks, Dr. Mitch, for joining us. We'll talk to you again next Monday. Take care. All right, folks, stick around. Time for a radical rant right after the anti-drug public service announcement of the day. Which forms of marijuana legalization will be acceptable now that Ohio Issue 3 has gone down in flames? You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show. The voice of the marijuana nation. This is the Russ Belleville Show. You know Herb Thrasher from the Herb Thrasher Flower Hour. Now get ready for Herb Age Designs for the proud cannabis consumer. Herb Age Designs. Lifestyle gear for the 420 friendly. Herb Age Designs. We've got frisbee golf discs and durable hemp gear. Herb Age Designs. We've got shot glasses, drinking glasses, coffee mugs, and beer cozies. Check us out on Facebook and online at HerbAgeDesigns.com. And follow Herb Age and Herb Thrasher on Twitter. In the interest of fair and balanced journalism, the Russ Belleville Show presents the anti-drug public service announcement of the day. I'm Captain Lou Albano talking to you about drugs. Kids, don't be afraid to say no. Anyone that asks you to use drugs is not your friend. Drugs can and will kill. Remember, don't be afraid to turn to your priest, your rabbi, your minister, your moms, your dads, your teachers, because drugs can kill. And if you do drugs, you go to hell before you die. This has been the anti-drug public service announcement of the day. To cure this sort of reefer madness, listen to the Russ Belville Show every weekday on 420radio.org. This is Radical Russ encouraging you to take a look at the Weed Blog every day. Johnny Green and the staff at the Weed Blog are on top of all the latest developments in the fight to end marijuana prohibition nationwide. You can even get the Weed Blog on your smartphone by installing the Weed Blog app for iPhone and Android. If it's about weed, it's on the Weed Blog, including my original writing. So don't delay. Read the Weed Blog today. We must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make room. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it and didn't inhale. One major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical rant. The devastating defeat of Ohio's Issue 3 last week has been interpreted by some observers as a victory against the corporatization of marijuana. 
On Bill Maher's HBO show, he opined that marijuana was the one seed Montano, Monsanto hasn't messed with yet. And can't the hippies control it for a while before R.J. Reynolds takes over? Even Willie Nelson spoke out against the advance of so-called big marijuana monopolizing the weed industry. The implication is that if a marijuana legalization plan doesn't sufficiently open up marijuana growing and selling to the little guy, prohibition should be allowed to continue. Corporate-controlled marijuana has been elevated to a greater boogeyman status than the police who strip-search, rape, and kill people over the smell of marijuana. This economic reframing of the marijuana legalization debate restricts the options for marijuana legalization. The Ohio model that was just rejected was based on a suggested framework from a report written by the Rand Corporation for the state of Vermont, which wanted to know all the possible ways marijuana laws could be reformed. Rand came up with something of a spectrum of 12 marijuana legalization options. From the most repressive I should say 12 marijuana regulation options, from the most repressive to the most liberal. The extreme options on the end, on one side, was to double down on the drug war. They called it prohibit and increase sanctions. That's on the repressive side. Then, on the other end, the other extreme end, complete deregulation, or as they called it, repeal only of state prohibition. That would be on the more progressive side. Okay, drug war on one side, deregulation on the other side. And then one level in from the extremes were what they called the commonly discussed options. Rand talks about decriminalization, or as they call it, prohibit, but decrease sanctions. That's your that's your Project Sam model, right? Still illegal, but we won't punish you as bad. That's on the repressive side. And then on the other side, just one step before complete deregulation is regulate like alcohol. You know, what we've got in place in four states already, something Rand calls the standard commercial model. So, you got your extremes, drug war, and deregulation, and then your commonly discussed options, the Project Sam-style decrim versus Colorado, Alaska, Oregon, Washington-style tax and regulate, right? So, Of those four options, of of course, reformers aren't going to support more drug war, and they should support decriminalization because there's nothing involved with the market that way. It's just lowering punishments. The other extreme of complete deregulation seems pretty unlikely in America. So for the one remaining choice of the four main options listed, that standard commercial model, the question now becomes... What will qualify as standard for capitalist marijuana advocates? I mean, how many grow licenses must be made available? 10, 20, 50? And how low must the application fees be? 100,000, 50,000, 25,000, 10,000, 1,000? Where will the numbers have to be set so that this isn't interpreted as some big corporate oligopolistic cash grab that squeezes out the little guy like Ohio's issue three. But then there are eight other options that Rand discusses that don't get discussed as much in America known as middle ground options, something between decrim 
and full market legalization, right? Something in the middle, right? So of these eight, how many of them would now be vetoed by capitalist marijuana reformers as being anti-free market? Here's, here's the list that Rand came up with. We'll start on the more repressive side, the more restrictive side, one step above decrim, and then we'll move our way toward the more progressive side. We'll move toward full market legalization. So the first step of the eight was grow and give, or as Rand calls it, allow adults to grow their own. This is the system currently in place in Washington, D.C., and was the system in Alaska for decades before their legalization. Adults can cultivate a small amount of marijuana and possess it and share it, but there's no commerce allowed. No pot shops, no commercial grows. Now, this isn't giving the market to anybody, but doesn't legalize any kind of market. So would the capitalist marijuana reformers approve of a grow and give style system? The next level above grow and give would be the buyer's club model. This is what they called communal own grow and distribution. This is a model like the Spanish collective model, which allows consumers to grow in cooperative gardens and then sell the marijuana amongst the collective's members at cost. Now, now, this model would exemplify the small, artisanal, little guy grows that are favored by the political left of the capitalist marijuana reformers. But would the more business-minded libertarian right find that to be an unfair restraint on trade? The next level up, next more progressive model, the coffee shop model, or as they call it, retail sales only. This is the Dutch model. This is Amsterdam where the growing and wholesale distribution of cannabis is still strictly illegal. But the sales and possession of small personal use amounts of marijuana are tolerated through their well-regulated coffee shops. Now, this model ends the arrests for personal possession and use, but home cultivators and commercial growers remain criminals. So could the capitalist marijuana reformers bring themselves to support this scenario? Next level. Government control, or as Rand called it, government operates the supply chain. This would be a system similar to Uruguay, where the government produces and sells all the marijuana, perhaps also including a registration system for marijuana consumers. Now, I'll bet you dollars to donuts capitalist marijuana advocates would be sure to reject this system, since this would be an actual monopoly, a government monopoly on weed. So I can't see him supporting that. The next level up is public authority near monopoly, they call it. This would have a single government-sanctioned private entity in charge of marijuana production and distribution. Uh, it, it insulates the state from its employees and agencies being charged with federal law violations. But functionally, it would be pretty similar to government control. It'd be the, the cannabis authority or whatever. And it would still be monopolistic enough that capitalist marijuana reformers uh, wouldn't support it. So the next more correct progressive of the eight models, number uh, six here, nonprofit organizations only allow nonprofit organizations to grow and distribute marijuana. Governments might like this because it could slow the growth and keep it from being all about profit and they could control the marketing better. But would some capitalist marijuana reformers accept it being nonprofit or would they reject it for not allowing for you know, full free market opportunities. 
Now, a compromise between nonprofit and for-profit would be for benefit corporations. There's 27 states that have this. They're allowed to make some profit, but they also have to have some public benefit uh, considerations. That might be more palatable to the capitalist marijuana advocates. Finally, there's the model that just got rejected in Ohio. They call it very few monitored for-profit licensees or a structured oligopoly where just a few licenses are granted that gives the government closer oversight of just a few regulated entities. In fact, Responsible Ohio quoted this report benefiting Ohio by saying, quote, a rogue company could more easily break the rules if it were one of a thousand licensees than if it were one of just 10, end quote. Well, folks, this is a war my government declared on me and my enemies are not investors and capitalists. My enemies are cops and drug testers. So me, I'll support every one of those options that Rand proposes that moves us further away from the regressive side. But sadly, it seems to me there's now a faction, these capitalist marijuana reformers, who would accept only fewer than half of those 10 possible options. Let the states be the laboratory of, of democracy, and maybe some of them will pick a structured oligopoly. Maybe some will pick allowing nonprofit organizations or having a single state-run public authority. If you're in this to end arrests and help patients, any step we make toward that more progressive side, toward that true deregulation that we'd all eventually like to see, must be supported. It's bigger than economics to me, folks. It's about civil rights. It's about people's lives, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's all the time we got for Hour One. Thanks for joining us. I'm Radical Russ. Until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Now it's time for Toker Talk Radio, the voice of the marijuana nation. What are you people? On dope? Where you can toke. I am here. Uh, or you can talk. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. Or you can talk and talk. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about toke on Toker Talk Radio. So, by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're 40 years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got 12 giant pot plants in your backyard, have a ball. Live from beautiful Poplin, Oregon at Rolla J Studios. Plus your calls live at 971-533-7111. They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the end of a man, the Snoopy Snoopy poop dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. Holland, is it real? Don't tease me.
We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and, and the, the next thing you know, they got 10 years. And now, here's your host, the guru of Gonta Graphics, the sultan of Sativa Statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical, Russ Belleville. All right, welcome back, tokers and tokets and non-toking lovers of liberty. I'm Radical Russ, coming to you live and direct from Rolla J Studios in beautiful, legal Potland, Oregon. Where we are now in our wet season. We only have two seasons in Oregon. Wet and dry. (laughs) We are now in the wet season. Forecast for October through April, gray with a continuing chance of wet. Temperatures near 45 degrees, plus or minus 7 degrees either direction. For the next six months. <laughs> we just buried under mist for the next six months. But you know, I work on the internet in a basement, so what do I care? And I'm happy here to be talking to you, talking about how we're winning this war on drugs. Which, as Bill Hicks pointed out, means that people fighting against the war on drugs have just lost to people who are on drugs. <laughs> How sad is that? That they're losing to us. We're supposed to be the A-motivated, stupid, slacker stoners, right? <laughs> we got a lot of stuff to talk about here in our Hour 2 Toker Talk Radio, which will not be a full hour. I have to get off the air about 10 minutes till... Because Stoner Jesus comes up next on CannabisRadio.com. And uh, we've got to get, I got to let go of the stream so he can take over the stream. So stay tuned for Stoner Jesus every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday here on CannabisRadio.com. Some stories we'll talk about here in hour two uh, out of Massachusetts grassroots Bay State repeal versus MPP's campaign to regulate marijuana like alcohol, aka Kremla. We'll talk about that, a story in Boston.com called Weed Wars. Pro-marijuana groups are now fighting against each other. So we'll talk about that, how it's not just Massachusetts. It's also California and Arizona. So we'll get to that. We've also got a story coming out of Portland, Maine, where they legalized marijuana in Portland, Maine, and uh, the uh, the cops don't care. <laughs> They're still writing uh, citations for marijuana. And Stephen Colbert had the governor of Ohio, John Kasich, on the show and did the finest job I've ever seen a mainstream like late night TV host do at exposing the hypocrisy of marijuana prohibition. So we'll talk about that. That's all coming up here uh, in Toker Talk Radio. But before we get to that, I want to give a special shout out to... Our listeners and our chatters and all these folks have been following me for the past three years. I'm undergoing a new transition, uh, transitioning everything now to CannabisRadio.com. So for the rest of this year, you'll be able to hear me right here on 420Radio.org. But uh, come January, that stream goes away. Well, I mean, me on that stream goes away. 420 Radio will still exist. There will still be shows on 420 Radio. There will still be music on 420 Radio. There will still be a uh, rotation of my kind of greatest hits and stuff. And um, you'll still be to get all that. But uh, my show will be exclusively on CannabisRadio.com. So update your links, find the new ways to listen. And I know, I know we're still behind on getting some of the links, some of the RSS feeds and all that stuff taken care of up there, but we will have it soon. That's why we're giving ourselves two months here 
to make this transition and doing the transition over the holiday months. So <laughs> we'll have some extra time to be able to deal with those things. Now, I did want to give a shout out to one listener in particular, Treehouse Cookie, who's uh, in the cannabis radio chat room out on Spreaker.com. And uh, he makes a good or he or she don't know if it's a he or a she, but makes a very good point that I hadn't thought about before. I love it when somebody brings me some new insight. And, and it's this thing, you know, I've talked about tilters, treat it like tomatoes, right? Uh, where marijuana should be completely deregulated and sold at farmer's markets and at Walmart and everybody can grow in their backyard and all that, right? And I've always said that, like, I can't quite go that far because no parent is worried about their kid hopping your fence to steal tomatoes to take to school to get his friends high. Tomatoes are not mind-altering. Cannabis is. So so right there, they can't quite be treated the same. There at least needs to be age limits on it. There needs to be penalties for selling it or distributing it to minors, right? So that's always been my stand. But then Treehouse Cookie came back in the chat room and it made a really good point. And he's in, in response to my statement said, they sell old porn movies and cans of gold paint at the flea market. I don't see parents flipping out over that. Well, you got me. You got me there. They also sell, I've seen places that sell like little pocket knives and stuff. You know, I remember when I was a kid, I had a little pocket knife. Isn't that more harmful to a kid than cannabis possibly could be? Certainly, if there's porn movies and cans of gold paint, I mean, huffing in porn. I mean, that could be, um, now I'm segueing into Stoner Jesus' show. Uh, but, uh, so yeah, that, that opens up a new line of thinking about, how much does the government really need to get involved in trying to prevent kids from getting access to this thing? We'll talk about that. Stick around. Sir, do you think there will or should come a time for us to discuss the possibility of legalization, regulation, and control of all drugs, thereby doing away with a violent criminal market as well as a major source of funding for international terrorism? Thank you so much for your time, Mr. President. Well, I think this is an uh, entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Name the time and place, Mr. President. Radical Russ has been prepping for this debate full-time since 2005. The Russ Belleville Show. Dr. Dabber, hurry! Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up! I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct! Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's order. Less heat, <laughs> More flavor. Bill collectors gather round and rather haunt the cottage next door. Men, the grocer and the butcher sent men who call for the rent. But within a happy chappy and his bride of only a year. Fun. Not much money, oh, but honey, 
Ain't we got fun? Welcome back, everybody. We got some fun here with Van and Shank <laughs> from the 1920s. Ain't we got fun? That's some of that new Viper Hour music we like to play. Early 20th century blues, jazz, and swing. The movie that the the, the uh, music that was made by the first first people who created the cannabis culture. And that's why we're all about it. So check that out. Also, stay tuned here. 20 After Breaks coming. 420. Bacon Dan will be calling in. We got some more Roots Monday Daily Toker tunes for you to take the edge off. But we were uh, talking before the break about kids and pot and deregulation and this treat it like tomatoes idea that uh, is this uh, uh, this idea that marijuana is an agricultural crop should be treated like tomatoes, sold in farmer's markets, grown in backyards, no limits, limitations, no worries, no hassles, right? And I got to say, I mean, there's a lot of that I like. And I also think that uh, a decent marijuana age, if you're going to have one, is age 18. But there's some good points to be made here about how... There's a responsibility for parents to educate their kids and to monitor their kids. And how much do we want government jumping in and restricting certain activities based on the theoretical harm that could befall kids who get involved with it, right? I mean, we have a... a epidemic of this country of kids getting a hold of firearms and shooting each other, shooting themselves, right? But we don't see much move and people freaking out necessarily trying to change that. So with that going on, and and, and, and again, I'm not going to go off on the gun debate, right? No matter which side you're on in that debate, right? It's definitely something that is more serious a harm than whether a kid gets a hold of some weed, right? Whether or not the kid gets a hold of some weaponry and ammunition, it's definitely more likely to harm himself and others than whether the kid gets a hold of some weed. So does it really need to be that high, pardon the pun, on our radar? Does it really need to be that big of a concern? I think initially, yeah, as as we're doing this uh, politically, as, as we're trying to win at the ballot box, while we, the pot smokers and the educated, understand what we're dealing with, to a large swath of the country, this is still devil's lettuce, demon reefer. This is still the gateway drug that leads to heroin. And best case scenario leads to your kid being a stone smelly slacker loser, right? To a lot of people. So you got to, you know, wonder how quick, how quickly can we make certain leaps in public understanding. Now, it seems lately people are changing at a rapid pace. I mean, 10 years ago, gay marriage was the wedge issue you used to defeat progress. Now, gay marriage is the wedge issue you used to defeat the conservative. I mean, the, the, the national mood on gay people in general has just about flipped in in every measurable regard. So there's evidence, at least, that given familiarity with gay people, 
given education about gay rights and, and gay culture that our society made a very quick turnaround on that issue. We could be living in the decade now where we're going to see that same quick turnaround with respect to marijuana. I mean, already you've got the Democratic candidates for president competing over who's going to legalize marijuana more. Hillary Clinton's going to take it to Schedule 2. Bernie's going to deregulate it entirely. On the Republican side, you even have most of the leading candidates in some sort of well, I wouldn't do it. I don't suggest it. But if Colorado wants to do it, that's okay with me. You know, states' rights and all that. And hardly anybody but Chris Christie, and even Chris Christie will acknowledge medical use of cannabis, come to think of it. What he thinks medical use is is extremely narrow, but there are more Republicans that believe there's medical use of marijuana than believe in human-caused climate change. So we've made great strides on our issue as well. And this thinking about, you know, where we're at with our politicians also leads to a lot of people evaluating marijuana legalization on those terms. A lot of people saying, you know, the the legalization they would have supported in 2010 or 2012 before legalization existed is a far sight different than what they'll be expecting in 2016 and beyond. And I hope so. I hope that the trajectory of marijuana legalization is for it to become more liberal. We're seeing it so far. Oregon's marijuana legalization is slightly more liberal than Colorado and, and, and definitely more liberal than Washington's. I'd like to see that continue. But in Nevada, the legalization that's on the ballot for 2016 has one of those 25 mile halos where you can't home grow if you're within 25 miles of a pot shop. That's regressive. Now we're backing up. Now we're giving away some of our ground. We have yet to see exactly what's going to come out of California. But California, Arizona, Massachusetts, Maine, and Michigan all seem to have proposals that are at least as good as the legalization we already have and in some ways better. Let's keep fighting to maintain that trajectory that marijuana legalization has to get better and better each time. Not like medical marijuana, they got more and more restrictive. As the older demographic fades away and the younger demographic comes into power with their understanding and never having lived in a world where there wasn't medical marijuana, we will definitely be winning. Sorry, I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing glue. That's right, because you can pick that glue up at the flea market, I understand. And uh, with some old porn movies as well. Stay tuned. We've got Bacon Dan joining us for our 420 break. It's 420 here on the West Coast. And I'm just two days away from going to Jamaica. Oh, I can't wait. We're back right after this. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. 
Imagine life without taxes. Let New Era Certified Public Accountants, NewEraCPAs.com, handle your Cannabis 280E and tax strategy. Get your business prepared with New Era CPA's Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. NewEraCPAs.com, with years of experience in the industry, we are one of the nation's leading accounting firms for growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies from Washington to California. NewEraCPAs.com. Get dot buzz. Dot buzz is the internet platform that fuels community interest, excitement, and new experiences. Dot buzz is the premier online destination for internet users seeking the latest news on a variety of topics. Dot buzz appeals to groups active in blogging, communications, journalism, advertising, and marketing. Dot buzz offers registrants a stronger alternative to the shrinking namespace of existing top-level domain names such as dot com, dot net, and dot org. Get your name now at get dot buzz. Everyone knows music and marijuana go together, so let's wind up our 20 after break with the Russ Belleville Show's Daily Toker Tunes, the best in pod safe 420 music from around the web. Today is Roots Monday, featuring the blues, country, folk, and jazz music that birthed the modern sounds we enjoy today. Now, Sit back and enjoy your daily toker tune. All right, time for us to get down with some Roots Monday music. And I've been away for so many Mondays that I have missed my good friend, Bacon Dan. How you doing, Bacon Dan? I am good. So many good things have happened since I last talked to you, too. I know. Well, I'm eating some maple bacon kettle chips in honor of Bacon Dan being on the show today. And I know good things are happening with Aaron Ross show, the Portland Timbers. Yeah, we're, are- we're doing really good there. I couldn't be more pleased that uh, Stephen Harper is no longer in power. Stephen Harper's uh, gone. Portland Timbers are in the playoffs. Oh, my God. That win last night was just perfect. My Buffalo Bills killed Miami last <laughs> night, which was awesome. <laughs> and what but else- yeah, life is good. What else? I mean, any, anything in the Bacon Dan world? Are you uh, where? Did, where are you working now? I'm still working at the Green Dragon. Life's good there. I just got my box set of the best of the Midnight Special, so I'm gonna be watching that tonight. I love that set. For folks who don't know, uh, you younger folks listening, the Midnight Special. Uh, what was the guy's name? He put that on Don Kirshner. Wasn't it? Uh, Bert Sugarman. Bert Sugarman. Kirshner did the Don Kirshner rock concert. Bert Sugarman did. You're yeah, right. Did the uh, the what you've got there. And, uh, oh, I mean, they, they had such variety, too. I mean, they went from James Brown to Allman Brothers to all those cats. Oh, yeah. It's so, so good. I'm really, And it's so funny. Of course, as usual, I love this kind of stuff. I was, like, born, like, three decades too late. But I mm-hmm. still dig it, man. All right. Well, uh, let's check out what we've got for our Daily Toker tune for today. It is Roots Monday. So uh, we'll get down to Roots music. What do you got for us? All right. I got the great, weird kind of thing because I've been gone for a bit. So... We've got from the Misfits meeting up with the Nutley Brass Band. Uh, it is their version of Where Eagles Dare. Uh, this was from an album um, back in 2005. It's cover versions of Misfits so- uh, songs from 77 to 83, performed in an instrumental lounge or space age pop style. Uh, this one's going to feature sitars. Uh, a really nice brass section. It's weird, but it works so well to the point that even Jerry Only of the Misfits absolutely loves this album. 
All right. Well, that sounds interesting. Some uh, misfits in a strange sort of cover style, I guess, is what we're saying. Basically, yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, I've got maple bacon chips and a full bong, so I think we got no problem handling this bacon, Dan. Sounds good, buddy. All right. Well, uh, let's get into it. This is Where Eagles Dare, and uh, that's Bacon Dan. Thanks for joining us, and uh, good luck on everything. You're doing uh, uh, karaoke from hell tonight? Yes, sir. All right, karaoke from hell tonight at Dante's downtown. Check out Bacon Dan down there. Tell him Radical Russ said hi. The Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. The Fingerboard Extension has fretted instruments to enhance your creativity. It has new and used guitars and banjos from beginning to high class. The Fingerboard Extension has National Resophonic, Hassan Dalton, Larravee, Heritage and Recording King guitars, and Mike Ramsey, Wildwood, Gold Tone and Recording King banjos. The Fingerboard Extension also has drum stuff, used gear, and parts. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis, Oregon at 120 Northwest 2nd, or check out the inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com and reverb.com. At Herbie's Cannabis Seeds, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best quality seeds from the world's most respected cannabis seed producers, all at the lowest online prices. You can find Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. All cannabis seeds are sold as souvenirs and as a means of preserving cannabis genetics. Herbie's Seeds in no way intends to condone, promote, or incite the use of illegal or controlled substances. We strongly urge all prospective customers to check their national laws prior to placing an order. Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. Proud sponsors of The Russ Belville Show and 420 Radio. That's Ina Ray Hutton. Some more of that public domain Viper Hour music that we got in our library. Glad to have you back. It's Toker Talk Radio. Coming up next on CannabisRadio.com, you'll hear the Stoner Jesus show coming up live at, uh, I guess it's 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern Time every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So I'll be jumping off this stream at about 10 till. Uh, I just got word through my Facebook Messenger that I'm apparently challenged to a debate. Apparently, I've offended people, and I'm challenged to a debate on the Adam Dunn Show, which is, that's fine. I like Adam. Get in touch with me, man. RadicalRuss at gmail.com. I'll talk about weed anytime, anywhere, to anybody. I got no problem with that. And um, I imagine it must be over the Ohio Issue 3 stuff. And look, I'll just I'll just state it for the record for the thousandth time. I support anything that ends my criminality. It's pretty simple. I, if it ends my criminality, I'm for it. I don't, I'm not waiting for the perfect legalization. Uh, I'd rather have the legalization that means cops can no longer mess with me because I smell like weed. Now, I've been discussing this, uh, um, I was going to say his Facebook, uh, alias, but anyway, a friend on Facebook from the East Coast, uh, was questioning people in marijuana reform about what would be, you know, legalization. What are your, what are your, points what makes it legalization and it's pretty simple to me can i possess it can i grow it can i buy it does it make the status quo better that's it notice that in my list i don't have 
Can I sell it? I, I don't care about that. I care. Can I grow it? Can I, can I buy it? Or can I have it? Can I grow it? Can I buy it? Does it make the status quo worse? Now, you give me all four of those. You give me, I can have it, I can grow it, I can buy it, and it doesn't make the day-to-day life of a toker any worse. Give me all four of those things, and you got my support. And that's why in that RAND report, when you list all the different methods of legalization, I support all of them. Because I'm in this to end arrests and help patients. Primarily myself. (laughs) Okay? No doubt about it. There's a selfishness to this. Absolutely. Aren't most voters motivated by self-interest? But my primary thing is to end this criminality. So if the state of Idaho decided that it was going to go into the marijuana cultivation business and only sell marijuana at the Idaho state liquor stores, and it legalized possession of marijuana and personal cultivation of marijuana, and it didn't make things any worse for pot smokers, like it didn't didn't like in Idaho the felony levels like three ounces right so if they if they legalized an ounce and then lowered the felony level to an ounce from three that would make things worse than what things are right now so as long as things aren't getting any worse I can grow my own I can possess then I wouldn't care if the only place I could buy is state of Idaho grown weed at the Idaho liquor store that wouldn't bother me now I'd prefer it to be a system where everybody could grow and be a part of a market and be more free market. I'd prefer that, but I'm not going to turn away a shot at legalization just because the economic side, the sales side isn't right because consumers and patients can't wait. And that's, that's my overriding philosophy. And, and, it gets difficult sometimes. I get accused sometimes of having no nuance on this, right? But I actually do have some nuance on this. And the, the, the reason why the Ohio thing was so easy for me is because I'd already said yes to the I-502 thing, okay? Now, remember my list, right? Can I possess it? Yes, under I-502, I can possess it. So, ding, you, you win that one. You got that. Yes, we got that. Okay. Number two. Can I grow it? No, no, I cannot grow it in Washington state. Can I possess it? Yes. Can I grow it? No. Can I buy it? Yes. Okay. So now we got two out of three, my number one priority and my number three priority, but I'm not getting my number two priority. And number four, does I-502 make it worse for the marijuana consumer? Yes, it does make it worse for the marijuana consumer. It institutes a five nanogram per se DUID that didn't exist before. Now, regardless of what the chances are you're going to get popped for that or how many have been popped for that, it did make it statistically more difficult, more risky to be a marijuana consumer in the state of Washington. So you got a situation with I-502 that satisfied my number one and number three priorities and opposed my number two and number four priorities. That was a tough sell for me. 
when and you can look it up in my blog in in radicalrust.com the very beginning when it was first announced i was against i502 i even made a, a snarky graphic for it but then i came to be convinced through reasonable argument and discussions that the chance of be of the of having the first legalization ever was too big too paramount and so it just barely edged over for me to support this thing, even though it had a per se DYD I hate, even though it doesn't allow for home grow, which to me, not allowing for home grow is worse than any monopoly provision is worse than if the rich guys get to get richer selling it to the stores, right? To me, anybody who's got the kind of capital to have a commercial grow in a store is rich. Right, there is different degrees of rich at, the, at that point. I don't care; it's all rich to me. So I don't care about that. It, but if I can't home grow, that to me is more offensive than how many growers there are or who owns the grows. Because now you're forcing the consumer to have to buy from whatever it is—the oligopoly, the cartel, the monopoly, the pot shops, whatever. With no home grow, you're forcing the consumer, if he wants to remain legal, to have to buy from the capitalists. That's more offensive to me than how many capitalists there are or how rich they are. And that's why the Ohio thing wasn't such a big deal to me, because number one, can I possess? Yes, absolutely. Can I grow? Yes. Got to get a license, but yes. Can I buy? Yes. And does it make the status quo for a pot smoker any worse? No, it doesn't. So it wasn't a big, like, I didn't have to apply a whole lot of nuance in the, in the Ohio situation because compared to the Washington situation, <laughs> I-502, it was much easier to support the Ohio one. And I'd be interested, I'd be interested to ask of, you know, because there's a lot of those, you know, folks in Washington that were very vehemently no on I-502 and now feel somewhat justified because of the way the legislature is kind of hacked away at their medical marijuana feel somewhat justified in saying that they were right, that, you know, things got worse after I-502 passed. I still disagree. I still think things are better when you look at the broader picture. So many arrests went away in Washington state, but you know, don't want to get lost in the weeds on that one, but I would be curious to know whether the no on I-502 people hated issue three more. I wonder, I wonder if they could have traded them. Like, we'll get rid of I-502, but you have to take issue three. Would they take it? I doubt it. But, it, you know, issue three would give them home grow, right? And have many more pot shops. Although Washington's now uh, released, you know, any limit on how many pot shops are going to be. So that could change pretty quickly. Still, it'd be interesting to find out. You know, which, which one, <laughs> there's a contest. We ought to put that up as a, uh, a poll. Which of the following is the worst marijuana legalization ever to make the ballot? And we could list them out like Prop 19 in California, I-502 in Washington, Okta in Oregon, and uh, this issue three in Ohio. Of the, of the four that have most recently lost, or, or actually, well, I-502 didn't lose, right? But of the four that people have hated... <laughs> Which one is the worst legalization? I bet issue three would win. I bet issue three would be the one that everybody hates the worst. 
Because, you know, once once you call it a monopoly, it, it was game over. That's, you know, the word monopoly in and of itself. The framing is just so bad on either side. The left hates monopolies. The right hates monopolies, right? Combine that with, you know, the cartoon mascot and combine that with it being marijuana legalization in the first place. And it's just a recipe for disaster. But I won't back down from having supported it. Because it means legal marijuana. <laughs> it means the end of tickets and harassment and arrests. And and so many people will point, well, no, you, you know, Ohio's got 700 or, or 100 gram decrim. It's only a ticket, $150 ticket. Yeah, but it's also loss of your driver's license, six to five months in a lot of those jurisdictions. Even if you're nowhere near your car, that can be very harmful to someone's existence, especially if they're just on the edge, you know, just surviving, having to use their car to get from job to job. The two jobs it takes them to stay alive in this country anymore. So, uh, yeah, I won't back down from having supported it. Because to me, even... There were so many business opportunities to be opened up from it as it was. Even as it was written, even as badly as it was written in that one respect. But that one respect, it was a killer. Got to admit it. Now there's a lot of people that are submitting me these uh, ideas of the voting machines were hacked or the, there was a screenshot that showed the votes flipped and, you know. Extraordinary claims require extraordinary proof. I, you know, I won't doubt that that could happen, but for now, I'm just going to take the ass whooping as it was. <laughs> God, legalization got its ass whooped in Ohio. It was uh, just about every wrong turn that could have been made. And maybe this just signals the return of the prominence of the marijuana reform organizations. This big loss being the shot across the bow to billionaires like Sean Parker in California. You can't just swoop in and buy legalization. You need expert help. You need marijuana advocates. I had written a piece about whether or not marijuana advocates were extinct. And well, I don't think so now. I think the answer is no. I think they're going to need more help from those of us who have been doing this for a while. Elitist. Just like any other dishwashing, burger-flipping, public school-educated, self-employed, bar band, musician, National Guardsman, he's Radical Russ. All right, stay tuned. we got one more segment coming up here. want to get to a couple of stories that I've had on the back burner. Uh, Stephen Colbert doing a great job on Ohio Governor John Kasich's marijuana hypocrisy. The uh, weed wars in Massachusetts, two different groups facing off trying to get legalization on the ballot. And cops in Portland, Maine, they don't care if you pass marijuana legalization. We'll wrap things up and then turn it on over to Stoner Jesus at the top of the hour. Hallelujah! Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com.
Tokers, there's no good reason to get your dog stoned. While it might not harm them physically, imagine being a dog who already begs for treats all day, and then imagine that dog having the munchies. Not cool. Adam Hand of Handmade Apparel produces quality custom designs for t-shirts, hats, and other apparel. Handmade Apparel is the official design shop for 420 Radio, among many clients who rely on Adam Hand for everything from short-run custom projects to full-run clothing lines. Visit handmadeapparel.biz to browse the selection of handmade gear or to get a personal quote for your own designs. Handmade Apparel, a proud supporter of 420radio.org. Uh, coming up at uh, the top of the hour, we got Stoner Jesus joining us here on CannabisRadio.com. So stay tuned there and uh, get your mind blown. Uh, I wanted to finish up with a couple of stories, um, three stories to be accurate. One is out of uh, the Boston Herald, Boston.com. Uh, and uh, the heading is Weed Wars. Pro-marijuana groups are now fighting against each other. Side or subhead, pot activists can't agree on how the drugs should be regulated. Now some fear that picking sides could split the vote and not result in any legalization at all. That's a terrible sentence. And result in no legalization at all would be a bit. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> but um, it tells the story of Steve Epstein, a longtime freedom fighter out there in Boston, Mass Can Normal. That's the, the group out there, uh, normal chapter, which is behind Bay State Repeal. And I got a lot of friends in that Bay State repeal movement. It's the basically it's the grassroots effort to legalize marijuana. And it's a more it's a more progressive marijuana legalization than what's being offered by Marijuana Policy Project. Now, Marijuana Policy Project has this brand regulate marijuana like alcohol. That's their brand. That's their thing. And why not? It worked right in in Colorado. So they've got regulate marijuana in Nevada, regulate marijuana in Arizona, regulate Maine, regulate Massachusetts. And each one of them are known as the Campaign to Regulate Marijuana Like Alcohol or CREMLA, C-R-M-L-A, CREMLA. Okay. So there's a CREMLA in Nevada, CREMLA in, in Maine, CREMLA in Massachusetts, CREMLA in Arizona, looking for 2016. And in each of those states, there's a rival group that's a grassroots group that's made up of longtime reformers in that state that are proposing something that's more liberal. Now, this has already been solved in the state of Maine. Paul McCarrier is the activist with Legalize Maine, and I believe it's David Boyer with Marijuana Policy Project between the with the Kremla up there in Maine. They've banded together to work on the Legalize Maine initiative. Yeah, it blew my mind. Marijuana Policy Project dropped their language to work with the activist language. That was stunning to me. But I'm glad it happened. And and one of the ways that it could happen is that McCarrier's language wasn't that far off from what the criminal language was. It wasn't too different. So, you know, why have two competing initiatives with very little difference between them and looking at the polling in Maine, which is very positive for legalization, why not go for more? So kudos to both those groups in Maine for working it out. But got to be honest, of all the states trying to legalize, Maine is the one I'm least worried about. <laughs> I think Maine's going to legalize and it doesn't have a lot of electoral votes or 
you know, a lot of attention from the country. And it's kind of the place where people would expect legalization to happen, right? Massachusetts is huge, though. That gives us Boston. That gives us a major, major uh, population state and very a uh, lot of national attention to that state. So I, I wish there was some way those two groups could work together and, and be on the same page. So that's in the Boston.com. You can look that up and, and learn more about that. We'll talk more about that on tomorrow's show as well. Stephen Colbert, if you haven't seen it, check out Stephen Colbert on CBS for his show uh, on Friday. He had John Kasich, the governor of uh, Ohio, just, you know, short, you know, the week that Ohio voted down legalization and asked him about marijuana legalization. Kasich said that we didn't want to send a mixed message about drugs. We don't want to tell our kids don't do drugs. But by the way, this drug's okay. Colbert shot back with, isn't that what alcohol is? (laughs) And uh, Colbert was just perfect coming back. And he caught Kasich by asking if he'd ever smoked marijuana. And the governor said, yes, use the same old excuse that Gingrich did. Well, I went to school in the seventies. Everybody did. And then asked him if he ever got caught smoking marijuana. And he said, no. And then asked, if you had been caught and had it on your record, would you be the governor of Ohio right now? And I think that just highlighted the hypocrisy so much better than anybody I've seen do it in the mainstream for quite a long time. Didn't let the governor try to joke his way out of it. Took it as a very serious question. Kudos to Stephen Colbert. And uh, finally, finally want to talk about the... uh, Portland, Maine, the other Portland, their police are still issuing marijuana citations despite the fact that Portland and South Portland have voted to legalize marijuana. So, yes, you can pass these local initiatives, but sometimes the cops will just ignore them. It's in the Portland Press Herald. You can check it out at PressHerald.com. We'll bring this up on the news tomorrow as well. But, folks, that's all the time we got for today because Stoner Jesus is coming up next, and I'm feeling... I'm feeling the Holy Spirit. I'm ready for some stoner Jesus. I hope you are too on CannabisRadio.com. I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it.